stirred my spirit to seek him to get direction and understanding before he steps in and suddenly because Lisa saw it. I mean, he just stepped up to the, it was like an old sailing ship. He just stepped up to the, the helm, took hold of the wheel, and he took hold of this thing. Because something has got to take hold of the church. I mean, people are just, they're stuck in a rut. They're stuck in spiritual deadness. And I don't care who you are and how great God moves in your services. Nothing is happening to bring people forward as a whole. It's time for the church to mature. And it's what I was telling the people here when the Lord dealt with me to take this time off. I said, God's not looking for good church services. God's not looking for good preachers. The Lord is now preparing to propel a ministry worldwide. And he needs vessels that can step up like Paul and Peter, like Elijah, Elisha, Moses. He needs vessels he can use that can step out on a world stage and know the leadership of the Spirit of God. There's no doubt if I called on any one of you and asked you to come to L.A.J. and preach, you could put a message together. I'm not interested in where you can put a message together or not. I'm interested in can you be led by the Spirit of God? Can you know the working of the Spirit of God in a moment's notice if God's, if you feel like you're channeled in one direction and the Spirit of God speaks and does a 180, can you move by the working and the leadership of the Holy Ghost to be led by the Spirit? I've seen preachers get in services, they've studied, they've prayed, they had a message to preach, and the Spirit of God would uh, start moving different and try to take them in a different direction. And they're going to preach that word regardless. I mean, I've seen them buck the Spirit of God to preach what they studied and prayed for because they did not understand that God was leading them in a different direction. And because they hadn't studied that particular word or that direction, they were uncomfortable, they were unsure, and we can't be that way. We have got to know the leadership of the Holy Ghost. And I don't care how God moves. I don't care what He does. And I've told the people at LJ many times, I don't care if you pray all service, shout all service, sing all service. I don't care as long it is the leadership of the Spirit. Because God is not going to move the same way in every service. He's not going to move uh, and manifest and reveal Himself the same way in every service. But at the same time, you can't use prayer as a default for not knowing the leadership of the Spirit, because I've talked to people and they said, well, we just pray that the Spirit moves. Well, that's all well and good, but are you going to know when the Spirit moves? Are you just going to say, well, we might pray all service. Well, you might, but is it the mind and, and leadership of the Holy Ghost? You don't use prayer as a default because you don't know what to do. That's wrong. And that leaves you in ignorance. That leaves you in immaturity. That leaves you in a place where God can't talk to you and work in you and move in you and that's not God's fault. That's your fault. If you don't arm yourself, he said in, I think it was 1 Peter 4 or 5, he said, arm yourself with the same mind that was in him. So we've got to arm ourselves and we've got to become sensitive to the working of the Spirit of God and learn to let God lead us. It doesn't matter what God says or what God does. We've got to become comfortable 
with the leadership and the working of the Spirit of God that then God sits down on us and tells us something or moves us in a different direction. We have got to be moved by the Holy Ghost. And that's where God has taken us and He's, he's going to knock all this old order out of us. He's going to knock all this junk and all this teaching about the Holy Ghost that's been taught in ignorance, that's been taught in zeal, that's been taught by people who thought they had a revelation from God. God's fixing to knock this stuff in the head. And He is going to bring forth a people that has a desire and a hunger to see the reality of God move in the church and in the body of Christ. This is not a one-man thing. This is not a pastor thing. This is not a preacher thing. God is bringing in a unity of the Spirit that's going to flow in the body of Christ. And every individual, whatever your gift, whatever your calling is, you have got to be ready. And that's what I was dealing with here the other day when I started uh, posting that people are not getting their hearts and minds ready when they come in the house of God to be used of the Spirit of God. And if I designate one of you to come to LJ and preach, or your pastor tells you, well, I want you to take the service, then you study, you pray, you give yourself to the Lord, or you should. And when you come in them church doors, you feel like you have presented yourself to the Lord so that God can use you. But, you don't do that every service that you haven't been designated to preach, and you should. You should be in prayer. You should be in study of the Word. You should be in a relationship with God where if the Spirit of God falls on you, regardless of who's been designated to preach, you ought to be in that place the Spirit of God can fall on you, and you can yield to the working of the Spirit of God that God can use you in a moment's notice. And we're not there and we go in and we sit down and we put the whole load on the pastor, on the evangelist, on whoever's ministering. And they've got to drag us along to reveal what God has revealed to them instead of us being in a flow of the Spirit and working with them and giving them strength and them feeling that liberty and that unity and that working of the Spirit of God that God can flow like He wants to flow into His people. And I saw this a while ago in the Spirit, and I was going to bring it out later. I'll go ahead and bring it out now. But probably every one of you have seen uh, these big, uh, we've got these big fighters uh, like the B-52s. They, they circle the globe, and some of them are in the air 24, 36, 48 hours at a time protecting our country. And when they run low on fuel, there is a tanker uh, jet or whatever that will go up and they have a long hose that comes out of that tanker and goes to that bomber that is uh, in flight and it will fuel that jet in flight. I saw God's people with a direct connect to the Spirit of God. And it was like God has tapped us in to the fuel and what we need to be put in motion. There is a working of the Spirit of God that's going beyond anything our eyes have seen, anything our ears have heard, and anything that our heart has understood. And God is doing this by His Word and by His Spirit. 
And he's getting us ready for this course correction. I know it was, I think it was March the 13th uh, last year, 2017, at our church in LJ that the Lord had begun dealing with me about uh, the spirit of prophecy. And he, he said the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Then I saw that spirit that fell on Moses that stood up against Korah. And then I saw the spirit of Elijah that called fire down from heaven on God's enemies. And about three days later, we were in prayer in the church in Elijah. And the Lord took me out in the spirit. And it was just like I was looking at a country horizon, just trees and grass and fields. And all of a sudden, that thing split from bottom to top. And Elijah stepped on the scene and the Lord spoke to me and said, And the word of the Lord and the spirit of Elijah shall suddenly step on the scene. And I feel like this is where we're at. I feel like we are at that place that once God takes control of this thing, that the word of the Lord and the spirit of Elijah is going to step on the scene. You know, the Lord told us in Malachi, the fourth chapter, when he talked to us about the Son of Righteousness rising with healing in his wings, the Lord spoke to us. Let me turn over there. Malachi, the fourth chapter. And, you know, he said, Behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven. And he went on and talked about uh, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. And in verse 5, he said, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Do I believe that the actual prophet Elijah will come? I don't know, but I know the spirit and power of Elijah will come, because the Lord uh, spoke to me in 2014 uh, when I heard uh, when he spoke to John the Revelator in the 10th chapter of Revelation, he said, And thou must prophesy again before many peoples, nations, uh, tongues, and kings. And I believe that's in uh, Revelation 10 and 11. And I think it's the last verse of Revelation 10. But the Lord told me, he said, The spirit of these old prophets is going to begin to speak and reveal the revelation of, of His Word and things that's been sealed, things that's been hidden from the foundation of the world are now going to be revealed. And that's what I heard on the morning of February the 4th, 2018, here at the house when the Lord spoke to me about this prayer. I was in the office, the Spirit of the Lord come in, a, a fog and a haze filled the office where I was studying and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. It was like, it wasn't an audible voice inside. It didn't speak in my ear. But it was like surround sound. Filled the whole room. And the voice of the Lord just spoke throughout the whole room. He said, this that I am bringing forth now in this spirit of prayer, in this visitation of prayer, He said, is predestined and foreordained from the foundation of the world to bring forth the move of God, the last day move of God in the earth at this time. And as I heard that, a voice spoke inside of me and said, This is the voice of one of the old prophets. And that's when the Lord told me, took me back to what He told me in January 2014, how that the voice and the anointing uh, 
And the words of these old prophets were going to speak to us again and bring forth the revelation of His Word and the working of His Spirit in the lives of those that have made themselves ready. So God has taken us into the realm of His Spirit that we've never walked in. But you know, at the same time, you've got to be ready to go. So many people, so many times, you know, everybody can holler, God's doing a new thing. Everybody can preach, God's doing a new thing. You can sing that song. It's a new season, it's a new day, a brand new anointing coming our way. But if you don't let God reveal Himself in a new manner, in a new word, in a new working of the Spirit, then you're bound in doctrine, you're bound in tradition, you're bound with a religious devil, whether you like that, understand it or not, you're bound in religion. And religion is just going to keep you going in circles. It's going to keep you in deadness. It's going to keep you in doubt. It's going to keep you in unbelief. But the Lord spoke, and it's on our YouTube channel, on September uh, the 4th of 2016, and the Lord started that prophecy, and He said, I changed the course of man in the earth this day. And he began to talk about a new anointing, a new working of the Spirit, a new move of the Holy Ghost. And here we are, a year and a half later, going into two years, and for some reason it takes God that long to get man's attention. I've seen God speak, and two and a half to three years later, it will start getting in man's spirit. I guess our carnal minds and our bullheadedness and our stubbornness is just that strong that God has to break us down. But the Lord is moving by His Spirit, and He is wanting to take us somewhere. And, you know, the Lord has shown me, uh, our crowds have been really small in different places, but the Lord has shown me that every person He's brought into our church in LJ has been chosen to come forth in a ministry that is going to touch people's lives all over the world. In other words, he's getting you ready not just to uh, be part of a local church, not to just have a good church service, but he's getting you ready to be able to minister to anybody, anywhere. Uh, because right now, if a Gentile or somebody that did not know Jesus Christ walked up to some of you, you would not be able to minister to them because of their ignorance of the Word of God. You wouldn't even know where to start. I've seen it happen in India in 2007. I've seen people try to preach to people that didn't know who Jesus was, and they kept quoting the Word of God and said, well, you know, the Bible says this, and the Bible says that, and you've read this in the Bible. And you, these people was clueless. I mean, absolutely clueless is what these people were talking about. And I've seen then that people that did not know who Jesus was or know anything about Jesus that God has to gift you and open your understanding to be able to minister to them. Yes. Because we are so bound in doctrine and religion, yes. and we spent so much time trying to save the church, yes. till we've got to get in a different mindset. Yes. And I emailed out the notes. I don't know if some of you have gotten them, but I, I did email them out. It was kind of late this morning. But in... Uh, I'm going to go to the notes, but since I pulled aside in LJ, I've been seeking the Lord for the direction 
of what to do and where to go and how to lead the people that God's placed under me, how to lead them forward. Well, early Monday morning, I guess it was probably way on up in the wee hours of the morning, the Lord began to deal with me, and the Lord deals with me a lot in my sleep and then wakes me up. There's many times at 2.30 and 3 o'clock in the morning I'm in the office praying and studying and, and writing down what God has dealt with me on. So what God began to deal with me on, and I'm not going to go by these notes. These notes are there for y'all. But what God began to deal with me on the first thing Monday morning, the 26th of March, 2018, was to go back to the day of Pentecost, to go back to the book of Acts, to go back to where the church was established and Christianity began. That's what the Lord started dealing with me on. And He said... Start there, and he said, break down the Word. Break down and reveal and open an understanding of the Holy Ghost that the majority of the people in this generation know nothing of the Holy Ghost. I mean, if I ask y'all, all right, tell me something about the Holy Ghost. The first thing that's going to come out of y'all's mouth is speaking in tongues. That's about the first thing that's going to come out of people's mouths. But if I ask you to expound on the working of the Holy Ghost, what the Holy Ghost is, how it works, what it reveals, what it does, people are going to be dumbfounded because they probably couldn't talk a couple of minutes, if that long, on what the Holy Ghost is and what it should be revealing in your life. So we've got these religious ideas We've got these doctrines in our head. We've got these things that man is put in our spirit. And this is what the Lord told me. He said, you can't unring a bell. Once something has been put out there and been taught and put in people's spirits, you can't get it out with dynamite. If they've ever been taught, they've ever studied it, and they've ever accepted it as truth, you can't get it out with dynamite. And now if you've heard it taught and it's never registered with you and you've never accepted it as truth, then you're more open to the working of the Spirit of God, if y'all understand what I'm saying. But if you ever get something in your spirit and you just accept it as truth, it's like a dog gnawing a bone. That dog will gnaw that bone until he gnaws it plumb clean. And that's the way people are with doctrine and traditions of men. The, the very thing that you say that goes against their doctrine and tradition, they're going to start in on you. They, they absolutely will start in on you like you don't know what you're talking about, like you're off the mark, like you're in error, and the whole time God may be trying to reveal something deeper in His Word in a working of His Spirit. So... uh We've got to get rid of wrong thinking, and we've got to be open to the working of the Spirit of God. And the Lord had me to write this because uh, we've got to know and understand what the Holy Ghost is, and where God is taking us, and what God is expecting of us. And what He wants to reveal in us before we can go anywhere 
in what God's doing. And I'm going to the second page of the notes, right up at the top. And I hope this, I believe this is going to be a help to people if they will listen. And But if you close your ears and shut up your heart, because I say something that you don't agree with and you've been taught different, well, that's something you've got to work out with the Lord. But Acts 2, 1 through 4 says this, and it's very familiar scriptures to all of us. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Pentecost was a holiday. It was 50 days after Passover, and it was a big Jewish holiday. And there in Jerusalem, there was gathered, out of every nation under heaven where the Jews had been scattered, there was gathered priests, teachers, devout men that had gathered from all nations under the heaven where the Jews had gotten scattered back in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. And they had come to celebrate Pentecost in Jerusalem. So the Lord took this time to reveal the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people by the utterance of the Holy Ghost in their own native tongues. That's why God chose this time. And he said, when the day of Pentecost will fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now I want to bring something out right here because I've heard many people quote this and a lot of you will quote it this way. They were all in one mind, in one accord. No, they weren't in one mind. You don't get in one mind till the mind of the Spirit comes in. They were all in one accord. They had a purpose for being there. But they were not all in one mind because the mind of the Spirit had not been revealed. It's like you get 30 people together in a church service. They may be there for one accord. But they're not there in one mind, which God is trying to fix. Because He wants us in His mind. So they were in one accord, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as the fire, and it set up on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I'm going to go back and I'm going to read this again, and I'm just going to start at verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set up on each of them, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what did I leave out? What did I leave out? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Because the only thing we hear out of this scripture is they spake with other tongues. And these tongues were natural languages. They were not heavenly tongues. They were natural languages. Now, I'm going on down on page two. This is the beginning of the church. The starting point of Christianity. So the Lord told me, you go back right here. You start right here and understand what happened because this is the place where the Lord is going to begin again. Has left the conference. He has got to reestablish this outpouring of the Holy Ghost that came at Pentecost. And that's what He was said He would do in Joel 2 and 23 and 24 and 25 when He talked about how He had given the Holy Ghost moderately 
That means he's already given it in those scriptures there in Joel 2 and 23. He had already given the former rain. In other words, according to God's scriptures, the day of Pentecost had already happened. And what Joel was speaking, he was speaking beyond Pentecost. He was speaking past the outpouring. So the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that we've taken Joel 2 and 28 to mean is not the day of Pentecost. It's going to be this latter day outpouring. It's going to be this revealing of the former rain. And I can get into that later. But the Lord told me, He said, you start right here. This is the beginning of the church. He's not going to establish a new foundation. He's not going to establish a new doctrine. He's not going to bring forth uh, a different doctrine or a different spirit. But He is going to restore, according to Joel 2.25, He is going to restore and reestablish the foundation that He put in the church in the beginning. God's not going to change His mind about things and He's not going to bring forth uh, new doctrines and new traditions and try to take you in something new, but he's going to restore what he done back then. He's got to restore us back to the foundation of the church. He's got to. So, uh, let me see if I can find somewhere in my notes, because I've done covered this, probably about halfway down the page. So we need to understand what's ha- what happened on that day. And to get ourselves anchored and established in the same teaching and come to a revelation and understanding of what was poured out on that day. And what it and what the Holy Ghost, what it put in place, and how it set the church in God's divine order, and established the government to lead and guide and direct it, and prepare to move it forward. When it tells us in Acts 2 and 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, let's establish what happened. So let's begin with an in-depth explanation of what the Holy Ghost is so we will know what they were filled with. And this will help us to understand what to press for. And to have an understanding of what it does, how it works. So we will recognize that when it comes, God has made us some promises. So I want to be ready when they come and understand that what he is doing is what he said that he would do. And I'm receiving what I was told that I could receive. And I want to see the manifestation of it come forth in my life and in the lives of the members of the body of Christ. I'm tired of skirting around this issue to keep from offending somebody because of their doctrine of tongues. I mean, I'm I'm tired of trying to sidestep it. I'm tired of trying to appease people. But there is no, there is not a single scripture nowhere in the New Testament that tells you that tongues are given as evidence. That the Holy Ghost is in you. That's right. I agree. It's not there. Right. Yes. But on the counterpart, the Word does tell you that tongues are for a sign, not to the believer, to the unbeliever. So on the day of Pentecost, the tongues were spoken. 
people heard. Who heard them speak in tongues? Unbelievers. Unbelievers. Yes, but in languages. Yeah, but Not in natural languages. Right. Right. Okay, now. Right. It was a sign. It was an evidence. It was an evidence. If you go into a courtroom and they ask you to present evidence, then you've got to present evidence. You can't just say, well, this happened and have no evidence. It's not evidence. It's a sign. It's a sign. Okay, now. So, can you, if I stopped right here and asked you, and I said, okay, tell me, because every one of you confess a measure, an indwelling, a working. You confess that there's something in the Holy Ghost living in you. Correct. Okay, so can you tell me what is living in you, how it operates, how it manifests itself, what it does, what it's supposed to do, other than just you talking in tongues? of the church can't because they're going to default back to tongues because it's all they've heard. All they've heard is tongues. It's all they've heard. It's all they've been taught. And boy, you dare tell somebody, well, I don't preach the Holy Ghost as whether you speak in tongues or not, which I've been doing this since the 90s. I said, I preach the Holy Ghost by the fruit of the Spirit that is manifested in you. Because tongues doesn't manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Right. It doesn't. Yeah. And you like it or not, but the devil knows how to speak in tongues. Sure, yeah. And I will not preach. And I will not preach a Holy Ghost that does not change the heart and nature of man. I will not preach uh, an evidence of a Spirit of God that's in you. That all it does is cause you to talk in tongues. I will preach to you that the Holy Ghost, which I'm fixing to explain, is the Spirit of the Christ. And when it comes in, it brings in the nature of the Christ. It brings in the mind of the Christ. It brings in the characteristics of the Christ. Whether you ever speak in tongues or not, I don't care. Because Paul plainly said in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and there on down, he said, everybody doesn't speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. They don't do it. He said, he, he plainly said, do all speak in tongues? It was a question. I have met people and had people, and one lady in particular, uh, she lives in uh, Alabama. She came to my meeting in 1994. Uh, in Sheffield, Alabama, and she'd been serving God 10 to 12 years. I can't remember exactly now. And she was ready to give up in her relationship with God because the church where she went, they hammered this woman so hard that she did not have the Holy Ghost because she did not speak in tongues. But that woman had had received a complete life change and the Spirit of God and the fruit of the Spirit was being made manifest in her life. But because she didn't speak in tongues, this dogma of religion almost drove her away from God. And I've come across people for years that have been driven out of the church and had given up 
on being a part of a church and they have pulled back and served God in their own heart, in their own home because the dogma of religion over this tongues had driven them away from the working of the Spirit of God in their life. And it's wrong. And God's, God, I'm telling you, God's putting it, He's putting a stop to it. He is putting a stop to it. Now, that I've said all this right at the very bottom of page 2 of the notes. Uh, this is where I'm going to start. And this is going to be, yeah, every one of you listening, you need to listen because this is going to be something you've never heard unless you've heard me teach it. So you need to pay attention, whatever you're doing, if you stop, stop, because you need to pay attention to this. But in February of 2013, the Lord spoke audibly to me. I was stepping out of the office in Fort Payne, Alabama. I don't remember what date it was, uh, whether it was the 16th or the 19th. No, it wasn't the 13th. I don't think. I'd have to go back to 2013 and look it up. But I think it was the 16th. But I stepped out of the office. I was headed to the platform to minister in Fort Payne at our church when we were there. And this is what the Lord spoke. He said, the Holy Ghost that I'm sending back is the fullness of the power of the resurrected Christ mixed with the humanity of man. And I remember when the Lord spoke this to me, I had pulled the door to, had my key in the lock, and had just locked the door. When the Lord spoke this to me, I unlocked the door and stepped back in the office and I told the Lord, I said, now what does that mean? What does that mean? And how do I step out here and preach this? I had never heard no such. I mean, I didn't know what God was saying, but I know what I heard. I know what God told me. And he said that the Holy Ghost that he's sending back, and we are at the door. I'm telling y'all, we are at the door of a divine visitation that is likened under the book of Acts. And it's going to restore the former reign, and then it's going to go beyond the former reign and start taking us into the latter reign. So, uh, and it was just a few days after that, the Lord took me into a vision and I saw Jesus. And right beside Jesus, I saw this like a graft of a DNA cell. And if any of you have ever been around science, it's like a twisted ladder. And it's got five or six different strands, different colors, and it denotes human DNA. Well, I didn't see human DNA. I saw spiritual DNA. And as I watched Jesus, it, it covered many of the scenes of his life. And that graft of that DNA was there. And as I watched him minister Watch the miracles, watch the healings, watch as he cast out devils, watch his trials, his persecutions, his temptations. I saw that Jesus and the Holy Ghost started intertwining. I saw him start intertwining. And the more that he was moved by the Spirit and worked in the Spirit, the more I saw him become one. And and what the Lord spoke to me, and people still have not realized 
I saw that man Jesus become the Christ. I saw him become the Christ. And still today people separate him from the Christ. After his death, burial, resurrection, you cannot separate him. He is the Christ. And in Acts 2 and 36, uh, Peter said this, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So, this that God is preparing to send back isn't just the Spirit of God. It isn't just going to be an utterance in tongues. But this that God is preparing to send back, it is the Spirit of Christ, which consists of the Spirit of God and the humanity of man interwoven into one. One mind, one body, everything that happens to you will not be governed by the Holy Ghost. In other words, everything that happens to you in your walk with God is not just going to be spirit. You're going to have to have some natural wisdom and knowledge and understanding on how to deal with things. Every spirit Jesus cast out, every miracle He had, every force of temptation that comes with Him. It didn't come against His Holy Ghost. It didn't come against His spiritual man. It came against His natural man. And He had to know as much in the Spirit as well in the natural man how to deal with these temptations, these persecutions, these trials, these vexations. He had to know. That's the reason the Scripture tells us that we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities or our weaknesses because Jesus came made like us to experience all our weaknesses, all of our infirmities, all our frailties, so He could understand what we battle. And He battled the same thing. People don't like to look at it, but Jesus was a man. The carnal mind warred him just like it wars us. If it didn't, we might as well hang it up right now and forget all about it because the Scripture tells us he was touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Well, all our weaknesses come through the carnal mind. All our weaknesses about God, all our attacks, all our trials and temptations come through the carnal mind. Because that's where the devil, that's still the devil's hold. That's still the devil's key. Satan has been defeated. He has been destroyed to the believer, but he still attacks and works through the emotions and through the carnal mind. We give him a door. We give him an avenue. And we've got to quit giving him an avenue. Now, I just read that scripture in Acts 2.36. Uh, and that's what the Lord told me. He said, it's the human, not the carnality. There's a big difference between the carnality of man and the humanity of man. Right, right, big right. difference. And, he, and I saw this interwoven into one mind, one body. Everything that happens to you will not be governed by the Spirit. Or it's not just the Spirit. But you're going to have to have some wisdom from the humanity of man. 1 Timothy 2 and 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. This is what God showed me. God showed me the man, Christ Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus, is the fullness of God mixed with the humanity of man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. And the reason God done this is so... 
that when we pray, Jesus is that go-between. He's that mediator. And we can pray, but we have to pray in our knowledge, in our wisdom, in our understanding, in what we are feeling, in what we are fighting, in what we're warring against. But because Jesus is that go-between, it goes through Him as the door to the Father. And He says, look, I understand what they're fighting. You don't. I understand the frailty of human flesh. I understand the infirmities. I understand the weaknesses. I understand what they're battling. So that man Christ Jesus is the mediator. And when we pray, He takes it to the Father in the language the Father can understand. And then the Father answers by the working of the Spirit and it comes back to that man Christ Jesus and by the Spirit of God He can talk to us in the language and wisdom and understanding that we can understand because He is both man and God revealed in the fullness in the body of Jesus Christ. And that's why we've got to have this Holy Ghost. We don't need a religious spirit. We don't need tongues. We don't need uh, all this that's been taught to man because man has never been taught. And I'm breaking this down and teaching you, this is what the Holy Ghost is. This is what was sent back in a measure on the day of Pentecost. It has nothing to do with the Holy Ghost that was listed in Luke when uh, it says that John the Baptist will come forward being filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. It's not this spirit. When Elizabeth uh, met Mary, and it, it says that she was filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not this spirit. It's not this Holy Ghost. And I think, alright, the first one was Luke one I've got them in your notes. Page 3, you go to page 4. Luke one forty one, and it shall come to pass... And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Luke one sixty seven. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, All these uh, prophesied, saying, All these are instances of people being filled with the Holy Ghost, but it wasn't. This Holy Ghost is not what fell on the day of Pentecost. It's not from... Uh, you can go all through the Bible and you can see instances of how God moved on men by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says when Paul was in his own hired house preaching and he spake one word in Acts 28, it says, Well spake Isaiah by the Holy Ghost. Some people turned and left. They didn't want to hear it. But it was not this Holy Ghost. That was the Holy Ghost in the working of the Spirit of God that dwelt that with Isaiah. The Spirit, the Holy Ghost that came on Elizabeth, came on John from his mother's womb and fell on Zechariah. It was not the Spirit of the Christ because the Christ had not been brought forth yet. The Christ is the Spirit of God and the humanity of man in the power of the resurrection. And this is what we've got to understand. This is what's dwelling in us. There's still something in our minds that blocks out the indwelling of the Christ because we've got this teaching of the Holy Ghost that it's just tongues. It's got to be driven out of our hearts. 
And we've got to come to understand that the Spirit of Christ is the God and the man that came together at His death, burial, and resurrection. And this is now the earnest of that Spirit that lives in us. Not just the Holy Ghost. Not just tongues. Not just... We've got to come to understand that this is God and man. And this is what I want. This is what God gave me to reveal this. I'm going to show you in John 7 and 37 through 39. In the last day, the great day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given Because that Jesus was not yet glorified. The Holy Ghost couldn't be given until after He was glorified because He became the Christ. It had to be that man part of Him and that God part of Him mixed together to be poured out and come live in us. This is the Holy Ghost. And after this, anything, after His death, burial, and resurrection... Anything that talks about the Holy Ghost, it is this Spirit. It is this Spirit. It's His mind. It's His nature. It's His wisdom. It is the humanity of man mixed with the resurrected power of Christ. Do we have it in the fullness yet? No, but that is the latter reign. The latter reign of the Holy Ghost will be the full power of the resurrected Christ mixed with the humanity of man. And people think that the latter reign is just more of the former. No, it's not. It's going to be completely different. So in John 14, 16 through 17, Jesus tried to show us who he was. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you And shall be in you. So he said, I'm dwelling with you, but there's coming a day I'm going to be in you. Okay? John 15 and 26. But when the Comforter is come, who I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth of the Father, he shall testify of me. John 16 and 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. Until he died and was resurrected, his spirit couldn't come to us. That's why he says it's expedient, it's necessary. If you want this Comforter, if this Comforter's going to come, I've got to die. I've got to go away. Because if I don't go away, there ain't no way for me to send my spirit back to you. So, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. The Lord showed us all through the scriptures who he was and how he would reveal himself and come and live in us. And we would be his temple. A man can't live in a man, but a spirit can live in a man. And this is why Jesus became the Christ, so that his spirit would come and take its abode in us 
The Holy Ghost does not have a separate identity from Jesus the Christ in the world. The church world's tried to give him a separate identity. They've tried to make him the third person of the Godhead. There ain't no such thing. There's one God. I mean, when you start trying to make the Godhead three separate identities, you're going against the Scripture where the Lord told Moses, I, the Lord, am one God. We don't need three identities of God. All we need is the one. And that one is revealed in the Christ. Because Hebrews 1 and 3 said he's the express image of his person. The only person of God you're ever going to know is the Christ. It's going to be through Jesus the Christ. In John 16, 13 through 15, he said, How be it, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. When the Spirit of Christ comes in, which we call the Holy Ghost, there is nothing of the Holy Ghost that's going to identify or speak other than what Jesus is. And everybody's tried to pray to the Holy Ghost. They've tried to do this in the Holy Ghost. They've tried to cast out devils in the Holy Ghost. And it's all because Jesus is the express image of His person. The Holy Ghost doesn't have an identity of Himself. Are y'all following what I'm saying? Yes. And He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for He shall receive a mind. And shall show it unto you in all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. We've got to have this understanding. If we don't get this understanding of the Holy Ghost, the church is going nowhere. It's not going anywhere. Because we do not, and I'm talking to every one of us, we do not believe that an earnest of the resurrected Christ has taken its abode in us. We don't believe it. We do not believe it. Because when we talk about the Holy Ghost, there is nothing in our minds that generates a mental picture of the resurrected Christ being in us, working through us, manifesting Himself in us, in His nature, in His mind, in His spirit, in His word, in His power. It doesn't do it. Because we've got that mental divider that the Holy Ghost is separate from Jesus. Because of doctrines and traditions of man. That wall's got to be torn down. It's got to be torn down. Or people aren't going to go forward in what God's doing. This is the reason that people don't listen. And they don't get a hold of what God is revealing. God's fixing to raise up a new generation. Because you can't do anything with people that stay stuck in doctrine and tradition. You can't do anything with them. In the last paragraph on page 5. This understanding and revealing of the Holy Ghost has got to take its abode in us. We are still bound by the doctrine of the old order, and our eyes still don't see the resurrected Christ living in us. When we talk about the Holy Ghost, it's not in reference to the resurrected Christ. It's not there. And you cannot now, you cannot separate Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and the resurrected Christ. They've become one. They are one. Even in that uh, John 17, when Jesus said, Father, make them one with us, even as you and I are also one. See, they had already become one in the Spirit. They had already become one in the Spirit. And He was fixing to be crucified, resurrected, and glorified. So, He was going to become the Christ. He knew that. He had reached that place that he was totally yielded to the Father. The Father had totally taken him over 
He was totally submitted. When he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done, he totally surrendered to the working of the Spirit of God. And at that time, the Bible said the Lord put all things in his hands. He put all things in his hands. Jesus had the uh, ability to accept or deny his fate. He could have denied to go to that cross. He had that ability. The Father put all things in his hands. He put all things in his hands. But when Jesus prayed, he said, For this hour, for this very thing right here, I have been manifest, brought forth, and have come into the world. Now that I come to this time, what do I say? Let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He totally, he was totally surrendered. He knew the suffering. He knew what he was fixing to go through. He knew the hell he was fixing to endure. But he had confidence that God was going to bring him out. He had that confidence. Because when he, uh, when David wrote, and talking about the scriptures in Acts 2, I don't know the exact verse, but when he said, And my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer thy holy one to see corruption. That is what Jesus believed that took him to the cross. He knew the Father was not going to leave his body in the tomb long enough to start corrupting, and he knew he was not going to leave his soul in hell. Because that scripture right there, he said, my flesh shall rest in hope. My flesh shall rest in hope. Because I will not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer thy holy one to see corruption. And we know by the teaching of the book of John that when Jesus went to raise Lazarus from the dead, and he told them to move the stone, they said, well, Lord, this is four days. He stinketh, or he started corrupting. So we know Jesus couldn't stay in the tomb past three days, or he would start corrupting. He would start corrupting. The flesh would begin to rot. So, because of this, Jesus knew what he would have to endure would be short. He knew it would be short. He knew it would be a trial. But he knew it would be short, and he would be resurrected, both Lord and Christ. He knew he would be resurrected. So, we've got to come to the understanding that what is being given us is the Spirit of the resurrected Christ. It brings in his mind, it brings in his nature, it brings in his wisdom, it brings in his understanding, his gentleness, his meekness, his forgiveness. In other words, it is a revealing and a working and a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit because it's being brought forth and it's the fruit of the Spirit of the Christ. It's the fruit of the Spirit of the Christ that God is wanting to reveal in us. But as long as we've got this mental block up here that separates Jesus from the Holy Ghost, or separates the Christ from the Holy Ghost, no. You can't have that. You can't have that because they're one. They're one. Okay? So, we never see Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is because we keep separating Jesus from the Holy Ghost. We have this idea that what lives in us is not Jesus the Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's there. It's in me. I have to fight to get this mess out of my spirit. And the Lord has dealt with me along these lines before. I've expounded on it. But now He's revealing so much more in getting ready to baptize us 
in the spirit of this resurrected Christ. What he poured out on the day of Pentecost, we are being prepared to receive. I know we are, and not everybody's going to receive it. Not everybody is going to let God pull them out of this doctrine and out of this tradition. But when it comes down to it, well, let me go ahead and finish my... Uh, Jesus became the Christ, and the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of the Christ. And it is in us in a measure, but it's God's will for it to dwell in us in the fullness, and that we can become just like Him now in this world. John, First John four seventeen. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in the world. As He is right now, the Lord wants to bring us into into what He is right now in this world. It's time to awaken ourselves out of bondage and darkness of theology and religion and let the very Christ break forth and take control and live in us and reveal Himself through us. And this is where God's wanting to take us. And this is why the Lord showed me, I think it was in August of last year, that when He poured out the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, it wasn't on the lay members of the church. It was on 120 that had been prepared for ministry. And when he poured his spirit out, he set up the five offices. He already had the apostles. So he said, and he may have chosen more apostles, who knows? But he set up the five ministries the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He brought into all the workings of the gifts that is listed in 1 Corinthians 12. It's what the Lord told me, how that he brought in uh, the diversities of the gifts. You start at 1 Corinthians 12 and 4. He brought in the diversities of gifts. He brought in the differences of administrations, and he brought in the diversities of operations. All this was poured into people according to their calling, according to what God had chosen them for, it was poured into them on the day of Pentecost to give them ability, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge that they could minister because by the time that day was over, there was 3,000 added to the church and somebody had to I minister to them. Somebody had to give them direction. Somebody had to give them wisdom and understanding. Somebody had to nurture these souls and bring them into what God wanted to reveal in their lives. So, uh, this is where we're at. And the Lord isn't wanting to give us just one more good move where the Spirit of God moves and we shout and talk in tongues. That's not what the Lord's trying to do. The Lord is the Lord is bringing in and preparing us for the, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost. People say they got it, all right? Good for you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people that know something's missing, people that know there's something that fell on the early church that we don't have because it's never been manifested. And I'm not just talking about in power. I'm talking about in wisdom, knowledge, understanding. I'm talking about in government. I'm talking about in structure, in order. There is no order in the church today. There's no spiritual government. There's no leadership of the Spirit of God as a whole and bringing in a unity to the body of Christ.
The churches today are led by pastors. Every pastor is an individual. Every pastor governs different. Every pastor teaches different. Therefore, you've got the church being led by pastors, and you've got evangelists and teachers, and you don't have the leadership ministries. You don't have the apostles and prophets leading the church. You don't have it. And without the leadership of the Spirit of God in the apostles, you can't establish churches. The ministry to establish churches was put in the apostles. The eyes of the church was the prophetic word. And without the eyes of the church, the church will fall in a ditch. That's the reason when God spoke about the church is fixing to take a huge course correction. I come aside to seek the Lord. I took God serious. I took His Word serious. I listened to the Word of the Lord. But there are so many people out there that they won't listen when God speaks like this. And especially there's a lot of pastors that won't listen. And they're just going to go ahead and do what they want to do. People are fixing to fall in the ditch. The Lord said a lot of people were going overboard in this prophecy. He said a lot of people fixing to go overboard. It's not God's fault that you won't listen to the leadership and working of His Spirit. But see, until we get this outpouring of the Spirit of God that He poured out on Pentecost, and it is a restoring of the former reign, people aren't going to hear this word and the leadership and the wisdom that God brings with it. Nobody's trying to take over anybody's church, but there's got to be leadership. You can't have 50 churches out there and all 50 of them pulling in a different direction. You can't have it. It puts the body of Christ in disarray. It puts the body of Christ in division, confusion, and it'll never grow. The church will never grow till it comes into a unity. It'll never grow till it comes in a wisdom and an understanding and it's led. The Lord said there's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one spirit, yes. one spirit. First Corinthians twelve thirteen says, for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Your body, you don't get yourself out of bed of a morning and get yourself together and get dressed and every member of your body go a different direction. And that's what's happening in the church. There's got to be unity. There's got to be wisdom. There's got to be government. There's got to be order. And this is what God done on the day of Pentecost. That's the reason He's not going to try and do something different. He's going to pour out this Spirit that He poured out on Pentecost. And He's going to bring those that will listen and those that can be led by the Spirit of God back into government, back into unity, back into God's divine order. And you ain't going to go out here and do what you want to do. You're going to be led by the Spirit of God and, and you're going to find what God's called you to do and that's the office or the calling that you're going to dwell in. If you're called to be an evangelist, you ain't going to run out here and try to start churches. It's not given to you. You don't have the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the ability. And besides that, evangelism is so out of order and so wrong from what God had set it up in the beginning till God's got to bring in a new wisdom and understanding of evangelism. God did not call evangelists to run all over the country and go from church to church to church to church to church on a milk route to get a good offering to try to encourage people. If you need encouraging all the time, you don't have the spirit of the resurrected Christ. You've got a religious devil. Because the Spirit of Christ don't operate like that. The Spirit of Christ don't operate always being discouraged and upset and always having to have somebody uh, pray for you. That is a religious demon. 
And these people calling themselves evangelists, you may be called to evangelism, but you need to get in a local church that God has put you in. You need to develop a relationship with that pastor naturally and spiritually. And you need for God to order your steps in the community to go out and win souls and build up the church. It's not the pastor's uh, responsibility to go have revivals in the community. It's the evangelist. You need to be working with that pastor. You need to get out there and dig out souls, dig out sinners, dig out the Gentiles, dig out those that are bound by the devil and bring them into the church There, your responsibility ends and it falls on the pastors and the teachers. So we've got to have a restoring of government, structure, and unity in the body of Christ. And we've got to have the leadership ministries because Paul said in Ephesians 2.20, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And the church ain't built that. It's built on pastors, evangelists, and teachers. And that's why it's in the message then. And God is trying to change it, but you're going to have to let God change you. And if God don't change us, I'm telling you, He's fixing to raise up a whole new people. Because God will have a people. He will have a people according to His will and according to His Word. He will have a people. So, that's the where the Spirit of the Lord is taking me. And this is what I'm going to be teaching in our church in LJ. When I go back, I'm going to be taking questions. So if you, any of you have questions, you write them down, you email me, and I will respond to you. Uh, most of you have my email address. Uh, if you don't, it's on our website. You can get it from somebody. But you email me your questions, and I will buy the scriptures, uh, answer you. And I can only go by what God gives me, but everything God has given me on this makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense about the Holy Ghost and the humanity. Same way it was in the beginning. When God created Adam, Adam had humanity. He didn't have carnality, but he had humanity. But yet, he had the fullness of God. And if you want to study something, study reconciliation. Go to 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, and study, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. Study reconciliation, because I've been saved 46 years, and I've never heard anybody teach on reconciliation, where it went into depth. I've never heard anybody teach on it. Right, me either. Reconciliation is restoration. Yes. It's what Jesus came to do, was to restore man. Jesus didn't come to save you. If you think Jesus just come to save you, you you blind. Jesus did not come to just save you. He come to restore you and reconcile you back to the Father. That was the ministry of reconciliation that the Father put in him. For it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. That's not just salvation. So we've got a lot of ground to cover. And I'm going to be speaking along these lines probably the next month or so. And so if you want the notes... Get in touch with me. I'll email them to you. Uh, I'll be glad to answer your questions. You write them down. You email them to me. Hopefully somewhere we'll get this thing to where it can be a back and forth conference that I can take your questions 
and answer you. And we're working on a video conference uh, that we will be able to do this. So uh, I'm fixing to dismiss in prayer. And I appreciate everybody joining. And like I said, send me your questions. Uh, if you don't have questions after this, then I, I don't know how much hope I have for you. Because there's a lot of questions people will be asking or should be asking. Because this goes against everything the church has been taught. I would just like to add that for everybody to um, don't be afraid if you have a question. And don't freak out if you hear something that has not been taught before. Just don't freak out over it. Just really ask. And don't be afraid of the answer. And if it's not something that you understand today, it's okay. Just set it aside, but the Lord will open your understanding. He's bringing the body into unity, and so there's going to be a unity of the faith. So don't be afraid of the questions. Brother John is not going to get upset at a question being asked. He's going, he might be annoyed if somebody just coming up with a, you know, axe, you know, to grind and that kind of situation. But those are religious devils that he's handled many, many times. But when you come in a sincere heart and a sincere spirit, uh, God's going to give you the answer. And Brother John is going to give you the answer to the best of his understanding. And then if you take it to your pastor or whoever and there's still a question, encourage your pastor to reach out and communicate with Brother John. Let's see if we can all get on the same page. The body of Christ has got to come together in a spirit of unity. It has to. Y'all know it's the Word of God. If we don't come together in unity and move forward, I believe individual churches are going to have some individual things per se because every one of us knows churches are like there are families and communities and a church right here might be different from one ten mile down the road because there might be customs and things that I believe can all work under the unity of the spirit but they may be preferences and and things like that and that is okay I don't believe that's going to branch outside the word of God at all but as far as doctrine and things that we know and believe like every, some people might want to have their service go a certain format and I can't say God will be against that you know as long as the spirit of God has that liberty somewhere along the way whereas another church may operate a different way but the thing is we're going to have that doctrine of belief and understand that it's the same so my it, you know opinion it would be to encourage everyone to reach out to to brother john and let's get the questions answered because the best way to uh, to to get past division and upset is to uncloak the devil you shine the light of the truth and darkness has to flee so that's that's my 25 cents more than two cents Okay, like I said, y'all get your questions, you uh, email them to me, and I will answer you, I will walk you through this, because I have, and God revealed this to me back in 2013. Has left the conference. God revealed this to me back in 2013, and I have walked all around the edges, trying to keep from offending people, and but no more. The gloves are coming off and I'm going to beat the devil senseless because I'm tired of trying to. Because <laughs> I'm tired of trying to get God to move through right. the doctrines and traditions of right. man. 
So that's right. Uh, we're going to pray and we're going to dismiss. And I appreciate everybody joining in with us. Father, in the holy name of Jesus, we thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding, the working of the Holy Ghost that you're bringing forth. God, give us the eyes we need to see, the ears we need to hear, the heart that we need to understand what you are speaking to the church. And let your name be honored and glorified and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.